0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for
1: the Earth is just a warm-up for heaven. It's a warm-up for heaven. That's why worship is so important, and not just not just in song, but in, in living. So we, we learn a lot from these guys. All they, all they cry out, they do not rest, day or night just essentially what he's saying is, what John is saying is like, they just never stopped praising Him. They never stopped praising Him.
0: Imagine the beauty and complexity of an evening sky, all the colors working together to create a beautiful masterpiece by God, creator of the entire universe. In the message today, Pastor James teaches on chapter four of Revelation, where John sees a beautiful vision of the throne of God. He goes on to describe creatures who constantly worship the Lord, Revelation can seem complex, but Pastor James brings clarity as he teaches on this section of Scripture today. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Broken,
1: broken. These 24 thrones, 24 elders, who are these guys? What are these guys? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's different thoughts. So could it be representatives, uh, a representative from each of the 12 tribes plus uh, the 12 apostles? That makes 24. Sounds right. Could it be, you know, I mean, there's all types of different thoughts and stuff. What we do know is um, more than likely They are humans, okay? They sing a song in Revelation chapter five, and they talk about how the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb is what has redeemed them, is what has saved them. Well, we know that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was for us sinners, okay? So these aren't like um, angelic beings. I know there's some thoughts that that's what it is. Uh, We don't really have a lot of evidence to to point that out. What we do have, when you look at the context, and if you take chapter 5 as a part of that, you have individuals who are writing this song that says, um, you have redeemed us, God, by your blood. Well, he's redeemed mankind by his blood. So who are the 24? I don't know. Maybe it represents the church. Possibly. Sure. Why not? Does it really matter all that much? well, it'll be clear one day. That's what I know. Is it worth tripping up over and struggling and wrestling through and getting into fights with other people about here on earth? No, not at all. Not at all. Because to me, it doesn't matter who the 24 are, or even the fact that there's 24 thrones. The only thing that matters to me right now is that one main throne. That's the only thing I'm... That's the only thing I care about. When I look at Revelation chapter 4... My focus, my like, what excites me is that one throne, is the one. The 24, that's going to be cool. We'll have all of eternity to get to know whoever those 24 are or what they represent and all that stuff. That'll be sweet. But that's secondary. I want the one. Just give me the one throne. Give me the one throne. And, and we know who's seated on that throne. I don't think it's, you know, it doesn't take a lot to figure that out. But I want to see that. I want to see that sardis. I want to see that jasper. I want to see that emerald type, like emeralds, whatever, rainbow. I, that's, what, that's what I want to see. That's what I can't wait to see. I cannot wait. It gives me goosebumps when I think about it, of how awesome it's going to be for the church. This will be where we're at one day. This will be where we're at one day. You'll experience chapter four one day. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. The greatest church service you've ever been a part of is garbage compared to what's going to happen. Now, it's good. It's awesome. The Holy Spirit falls, and Acts chapter 2 doesn't even compete with this. I hope we understand, like, how amazing heaven is going to be. Acts chapter 2, there's no greater church service than Acts chapter 2. But it doesn't even scratch the surface when you talk about heaven and what church, quote unquote, worship is going to be like. Just amazing. Amazing. What, what, why? Why aren't our, why isn't Acts chapter, well, Act chapter two was full of sinners, redeemed sinners, but still sinners. The best Sunday service you've ever been a part of was full of sinners carrying in their own baggage and garbage. And junk, right? I mean, it's beautiful, it's sweet when the spirit falls. Oh, there's nothing that can I mean we've I think we've all been a part of something like that. But in heaven, there's no sin. There's no sinners. There's no sin. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no weeping. It's just rejoicing. It's worship. It's perfect. It's it's everything that God always intended it to be from the very beginning. It's incredible. And here's John just like, like looking around, he's like, oh man, I I see this throne. I see these colors. I see these other thrones and these 24 elders sitting on those. So imagine if one of those was an apostle, then is John seeing himself? He's like, that guy looks really familiar. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's me, right? I don't know. I have no clue, but that is an odd thought if you think about it, right? So who knows? But there's 24. They're ruling and reigning, co-ruling and reigning with Christ. And that speaks of his children, though, okay? So we'll get into some of that stuff a little bit later. But just to paint that picture for us, they had their white robes, which we know we went through Acts, or I'm no, sorry, um, chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, and uh, part of the overcoming, the victorious ones, you'll be dressed in white, you'll get crowns, okay? So there's a lot of indications here that these are um, representatives of maybe the church. Uh, However, we'll go on. Verse 5, it says, from the throne proceeded the lightnings, the thunders, thunderings, and the voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Or uh, other translations would say um, it's like the seven spirits of God, this complete spirit, the Holy Spirit, right, is, is kind of what's being, is who, well, who's being referenced there. It's, it's just going on. It's, it's, it's happening, heaven. I mean, the throne room of God, I mean, it's the place to be. It is absolutely the place to be. He goes on to, to continue to describe this, the setup here. Verse 6, before the throne, there was a, a sea of glass, like crystal, okay? It says, as if it were a sea of, a sea of glass, like crystal. So he, again, he's using descriptive terms as best as he can. It, he's like, when I was looking before the throne, it kind of looked like just pure, absolutely the purest form of crystal, all before the, the throne before the throne of God, which speaks of a, not only like a purity, but of a peacefulness and a calmness, which is probably why the Lord so often is inviting us to bring all of our madness, worries, and all that stuff to him and to set him at his feet. Because I mean, even even at his feet. It's just peacefulness. It's calmness. So here is this picture of heaven, and we know we have these invitations from God saying, hey, look, are any of you guys anxious? You worried? You burdened by all your cares? Well, you can cast those onto me because I care about you. And even just in the room itself, so to speak, I mean, he's just surrounded by peace, And he's saying, look, you can bring it to me. My perfect peace can be your peace. So just there's this, quote unquote, the sea of glass, light crystal, absolutely pure, absolutely still. John's just writing it down. He's like, I don't know. This is just what it looked like to me. It says, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and back and all on their wings says the first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature was like a calf, the third living creature had, had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is, and is to come. So here you have these seraphim, these angels, angelic creatures. They're just flying around the throne of God. And so why, why the animals? Um, there's so many different thoughts on, on the, the different animals that each one could represent. And a lot of common thought nowadays, especially within the, I would say, within the Calvary Chapel realm is like each one really kind of closely uh, represents the gospel, OK, so the lion. Jesus is portrayed in Matthew as the lion from the tribe of Judah. From the Gospel of Mark, it's like the ox is Jesus, and it's all his works and all that stuff. From Luke, he was the perfect man. And then from uh, the Gospel of John, he's this eagle, right? This flying eagle from heaven. I mean, come down to earth, kind of a deal. So there's that. It also could be a representation of just creation itself, okay? Because you have the lion, which is the king of the beasts so to speak. You have the ox, which is the, um, you know, representation of uh, domesticated animals. You have mankind, which would represent, believe it or not, intelligent creation. Okay, so yes, that's true. Um, Absolutely. And then you have the eagle, which is like, you know, the eagle eagle would be like the, the king of the birds, so to speak, right? So it could be representation of creation itself. Whatever it represents and whatever it actually looks like, Because we can read a description like this, and you're thinking like, man, so I'm going to be in the throne room of God. Like, am I going to be distracted by these things? Because they sound kind of creepy, right? Like, I don't want to stare. You know, it's that thing of like, it's got like eyes everywhere, (laughs) everywhere. Does that mean literally they have eyes everywhere, or they're just fully aware of what's all going on around them? Probably that. Uh, However, if you show up there and you're like, yeah, got eyeballs all over the wings. Um, well, it's cool. It's fine. You'll probably get over it. You'll probably get used to it. You probably won't be t- scared at all, OK? You sh- you're given a heads up of what's to come. Now, will they actually physically look like this? Or remember, John is he's doing his best to describe what he's seeing. And I'm not saying that this isn't, isn't a literal thing, because it very well could be a literal, absolute, this is what I saw. Or it could be like, man, they kind of looked like this. We know from Ezekiel, he talked about the seraphim and and very similar description represented there as well. So you know what? You get to heaven, man, be ready because there's a lot of things that are in heaven that aren't even described in the Bible, okay? So... And I remember Charles Spurgeon, I uh, read a quote that he was, he was talking about that. He's like, listen, the Bible gives us a list of some things that you will see in heaven. He's like, but I'm sure there's a whole other list of things that aren't even described in the Bible that you're going to encounter in heaven. Be prepared. Be prepared because it's going to blow you away. It's going to be, it's, it's, it's new heaven, new earth. What's what what that going to look like? Don't really know. But all I know is this, if these guys are just commonplace, so to speak, flying around the throne of God, worshiping and shouting this praise, uh, holy, holy, holy. And it's, it's three times that's, that is speaking of absolute, absolute importance. Two times, it's important. Three times, you better be paying attention is what the Bible is saying. So here's these seraphim, these angelic beings that are Flying around the throne, and and their one thing that they do, and and let's never forget, Satan used to be one of these guys. He was one of these guys, okay. And uh pride got in there, and we can we can read his whole story and all that stuff. He was what some people would consider the worship leader of heaven, right? Beautiful angelic being, okay? And he fell and took a third of the host of heaven with him, but their role, and it's not like it's their job. It's This is what, this is what they do because of who they're, who they're surrounding. Their eyes, all their eyes are continually on him, and they can't do anything but worship him and praise him. It's incredible. We could learn a lot from some weird-looking seraphim, okay? And in fact, this whole chapter is what I would call essentially a warm-up Earth, your existence on this planet is a warm-up for eternity. If you've ever exercised or anything like that, it's always smart to do a warm-up. Get your body ready for some probably horrible movements and horrible things that you're about to do to it, okay? That's usually how that works. And you got the the cracking and the popping and all that stuff. And they say, that yeah, that's good. It's good. You know, you can't let that fluid into the joints and all that stuff. I don't know if that's true. Jeff would probably know more of that than I would. But uh, you got to warm up the body. You need to warm up the body. Earth is just a warm up for heaven. It's a warm up for heaven. That's why worship is so important. And not just, not just in song, but in, in living. So we, we learn a lot from these guys All they they cry out, they do not rest day or night. Just essentially what he's saying is, what John is saying is like, they just never stopped praising him. They never stopped praising him. Because we don't know how long John was in heaven here in the throne room, technically. We don't know if he, and we know in new heaven and new earth, there's no sun. There's no, there's none of that. But what John is basically saying is like, listen, these, these guys, they never stopped proclaiming how holy God is. A lot I can certainly learn from these guys. Verse 9, it says, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, that's a, a good thing too. I, I've gone through this whole chapter and I've, I've circled different phrases and all that. And what I have what I've found is there's a lot of like threes kind of a deal going on, right? Holy, holy, holy. And then it says the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks. Like that should be an attitude of our worship as well. So when you're, when you're worshiping, the, your attitude should be that of giving God glory, giving God honor, and being thankful to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever so when whenever they would they would give glory honor and thanks to God it says verse ten the twenty four elders They would fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. And now these guys, the 24 elders, are saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and by your will, they exist and were created. By your will, they exist existed and were created. So this is just like man, this is like worship in heaven. so these these angels, they, the seraphim, they're crying out holy 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and they're giving glory and honor and thanks to him and when they do that the, the elders surrounding the throne are all on their faces and they're casting their crowns they're placing their crowns at his feet because it's not about them. It's not about the crowns. It's not about the angels. It's not about any of that stuff. It is solely about the Lord God Almighty. All of Revelation chapter four. It's about the centerpiece of this story. It's about the centerpiece in in the throne room. It's 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 God Himself, who is worthy. So you can envision this. I mean, it's and it, it's it's God. It's like God Almighty there, like on the throne. You're like, well. But like, what about, we got reference for the Holy Spirit. So God the Father is there, the Holy Spirit's there. Jesus was the door who invited John up into there. But when does Jesus walk into this room? He walks into the room, so to speak, in the next chapter. As the Lamb of God who is worthy to start ripping open some seals. Who will, who's going to take the scroll? Who's worthy to open the scroll? Well, the one who sacrificed his life. The one who lived perfectly. He is worthy. And he's the lamb and he's the lion. And he's about to stroll into the in, into this room. So it's like, I mean, I'm just envisioning this as like John's there, he's like blown away by all they're seeing these angels. I mean, every everyone is out, it's just worshiping God. And it, and it's just gonna continue to get better. It's just gonna keep getting better. Jesus is about to walk into the room and now, it doesn't really get better for those on earth, okay, because after chapter 5 is when things start happening. It's when, when judgments are going to be poured out on, on this world. But I think chapter 4, and, and next week we'll cover chapter 5, more than likely, I think this is to, is to serve as an encouragement for, for you and I. I mean, you can imagine being one of the members of the church when this was initially written. As those guys are, I mean, their lives are on the line. For them to be a Christian actually meant something. It actually meant something. Like, they could die. Because you're a Christian, and because you won't say Caesar is Lord, then you literally could, any day you could lose your life. So what do those guys need? They need to be encouraged. They need to be encouraged. What do you and I need to need in this day and age in which we live? where well, we're not going to be murdered for being Christians, more than likely, especially not in, in this, this Western part of the world we live in, more than likely. The worst thing would, I don't know, maybe you get thrown in jail, but for, I mean, come on, that's not even, that's not even all that feasible, right? So what's mocked, ridiculed? Those are all definitely things. What we need is to be encouraged as well, Because our lives may not be on the line, but the battle, the spiritual warfare, it's intense all over this globe, whether it's our brothers and sisters on the other side of this planet that are losing their lives because they are Christians, or if it's those on the the Western front that have just been lulled to sleep into apathy, we need to be encouraged that this reality, chapter four, the throne room of heaven, is coming. It is coming. And whatever we endure on this earth, it is going to be totally worth it in the end. Absolutely worth it in the end. I would hope that you get just so excited after reading chapters like this for heaven. I would hope it just is like, it stirs up that thing inside of you. Going through these chapters were always, I loved them so much when I was, you know, teaching youth, because I got to be a little bit more imaginative, right, and being like, New heaven, new earth. I'm going to have a pet bear. That's what I'm going to have. I don't even know if there's a real thing in heaven. I'm sure there's animals in heaven, because why wouldn't there be on a new earth? Of course there's going to be animals, of course. Why would he make them in the garden and then not have them in a new earth? So I'm going to have a big grizzly bear, because I'm a grizzle, and that's just how God made it. And so I will have, and he will be my friend, and we're just going to, I don't know. We're going to serve God in heaven forever. And how, if that is, would I be disappointed if that doesn't happen? Not at all, because it's heaven, because it's heaven. There is no disappointment in heaven. There's no disappointment in heaven at all. Your sweet little apartment, condo, whatever it is that Jesus is working on right now for you, you will not be disappointed. You'll be like, oh, why'd you go with that paint? Like, really? Like, Kind of like an open concept, Jesus. And he's like, no, no. He's like, listen, I already know you. I already know you. I love that. That's always one of my favorite things. John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. Speaking to the individual. The group at large, yes, but more specifically to the individual. Because he's like, I made you. I wired you. I know what you're, I know what you love. I know what you love when you don't even know what you love. So when you get to heaven and he goes to prepare a place for you, whenever you get there and he hands you the keys, quote unquote, I mean, I'm not being dogmatic on this stuff, so don't, you know, whatever. But if he hands you the keys to whatever that is for you, you're going to walk in and you're going to be floored by whatever it is because Jesus knows you that well. So, and my brain is going wild envisioning, like, what does it even look like? Like, I, all I know is that there's a throne, and he who sits on the throne is holy, 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 and he is worthy of glory, honor, thanks, praise, all of it. And one day we will be here. This will be a reality for all of us.
0: Hope to the Bread for the Broken You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James teaches through the Book of Revelation. Some days it may feel like the choices you make don't really matter in the long run, but the Book of Revelation teaches us otherwise. There will come a day when the decisions you make today will impact your future. There will come a day when all that is evil will be cast away and the darkness will no longer have dominion. So take a moment and think about your life. Are you making decisions that are good and holy, or are you making decisions that will hinder your relationship with the Lord? If it's the latter, be encouraged. God doesn't leave or forsake. Seek Him and ask Him to help you overcome the darkness. He is faithful, and He has the power to restore you. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more verse-by-verse messages from Pastor James, visit BreadForTheBroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you visit. For directions and service times, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to hear from you too. So send us a quick note in the contact tab at breadforthebroken.com if you've been blessed by this program. There's still a lot to learn from the book of Revelation, but that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time for Bread for the Broken.